Hi there, this is Erin Nicole, and you're listening to the Move Happy Movement Podcast. On this show, I interview people from all around the world, and sometimes I feel left to share on subjects myself, and today is one of those days. So I'm just on a walk, and I'm in nature, and there's also people around, so you might hear some noises and things of that nature. You might hear some animal noises, you might hear some birds. This is me living life and sharing sharing a part of my time with you. So thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. The goal of this show is to help inspire you to live a, a life that you're happy with, and to make you a better human being, and to make you more joyful. Because if you're more joyful, your family and friends are going to want to be around you. Your coworkers are going to want to be around you. And uh, it's going to just benefit everybody around. You're going to be in a better mood. You're going to call out sick less often to work. If you are a young person listening to, to this show, to this episode today, you're going to call out sick less to school because you're going to be more um, just enjoying life more. Like attracts like. Laughter is contagious in a good way. So today, what I want to talk about honestly, is how to build something out of nothing. Because if you build it, they will come. This is something that I feel spiritually led to share with you. Um, I made a post about this earlier this morning, but I also want to get uh, all of you that regularly listen to the show, or those of you that are just hopping in, maybe you're on iHeartRadio and uh, this came up on your feed or whatnot, Uh, If you build it, they will come. And it's possible to build things out of nothing. You have to use your imagination. I've been blessed with a variety of leaders that have inspired that belief in building things and creating things. And I also know that I was designed um, just through the creator of the universe in to be able to create things in my career path um, out of necessity, create things in my music out of passion and joy. And my father's insistence on encouraging us to leave it better than you found it or leave a person better than you found them and wanting to create um, maybe a safe space, a safe space to have a conversation or um, maybe create in the workplace if there's some missing holes and it's not necessarily in your job description but you know how to do it or you could figure it out real quick the army does this cross training um, kind of practice where you have your your main MOS your main job uh, but you also learn other people's jobs a little bit so that if somebody calls out sick the whole train doesn't stop right you still are able to get the work done it might not, not be done as quickly as if the regular person was there that day if they're on vacation or whatnot Uh, but you're still able to operate as a business as a family unit as a country etc etc so I want to share a little bit of the first first person that comes to mind that really inspired uh, dreaming bigger and um, kind of opening up the imagination pathways for me. If you have not heard his name before, you need to watch and listen to 
uh, the show more often and, and check out the social media pages for Move Happy. Mr. Krause is the hero in my story uh, because he devoted many decades to creating an excellent music program in the high school system that I grew up in. And he continued the the history. He continued the legacy from his upbringing and the wonderful experiences that he had around music because he wanted us to dream bigger and not just stay stuck in the city that we all grew up in because most people don't leave the town that they're from. Unless you come from a very affluent town where everybody is traveling, chances are you're going to stay where it's comfortable. And he wanted us to dream bigger for our lives because he was able to be a part of a glee club and they traveled all around the world. And they got to perform in Taj Mahal, all kinds of places. So he passed that same passion and inspiration to open up your minds and imagine what's possible when you work collaboratively with other people. So that was my first experience around it. Um, My sophomore year, we went to down to California. We got to see, I remember, a performance called Stomp where they used like recycled goods, like trash can lids, um, all kinds of things to make drumming sounds and percussion sounds. And it was an entertainment experience. It was so fun. This was in 2003. And I still remember it. So it was almost 20 years ago. When you have experiences that expand your mind you, and that are fun, you don't forget them. Same is true on the opposite end of the spectrum. If you have experiences that are terrible, you might have some flashbacks, some struggle. But it's, it's really healthy to have things to look forward to and to have a regular practice of imagination time. This was something a few years ago um, when uh, one of my nieces and nephews was born, uh, my family member had actually told me they spent quality time every day in an imagination space, almost like a doctor's appointment. They scheduled the time to do imagination, let's work on play blocks, let's work on um, doing on the video game creating your designed home and your designed city, right? Opening up pathways of imagination, if you build it, they will come. You never know where it could lead. Maybe it leads to a passion and a career path. Maybe it leads to um, just something joyful for recreational time. We don't really know where people's lives will lead them, Some people know 100%, I'm going to be a doctor when I grow up and they become a doctor, right? We have those outliers. But most of us um, for life and our journey and our career paths are not a straight line. And that's okay because that's what makes life exciting. Another experience that I had around if you build it, they will come was in the school systems. When I worked in the school district that I grew up in, that was... That was my second contract. My first contract was in a very rural area because um, I had graduated a, a few, 
it was kind of weird because I graduated in December of 2008 for my undergrad. And so like the school year was already halfway over. So I substitute taught for a little bit in the winter of 2008 in like January 2009. And then I got hired on um, my my sweetheart from high school. And we weren't dating at the time anymore, but we stayed friends. His mom loved me and hired me on as a HR supervisor and safety manager at her company. And I did that for a little bit. And I was going to stay, stay there because it was fun, but there was an emergency teaching need in a school district that had a teacher that was 32 years old and he was going through his bout with cancer for the third time and there were students that missed a lot of information at the beginning of the year and they needed help and support. So um, they did not have a budget and they asked me to teach three math classes for middle school math and um, I taught two health and fitness classes. Now I was not endorsed in mathematics, but they were able through a loophole because of the emergency need. They did not have people applying for the position. So they were able to offer me the long-term substitute position to the remainder of the school year, to the end of June. So I had created an assessment to help figure out what missing information the students had um, from my roommate and friend and former coworker Kyle, because he was he was a an electrician, journeyman electrician, and so he was really good. He had a very strong mathematical mind, and I have my moments with mathematical uh, skills and whatnot, and I can figure things out. But it's definitely not how my brain operates if I'm doing multiple things. Um, I my gifts are more on the creative side of things, um, building things out of nothing in, as far as curriculum, therapies, music, writing, books, uh, more on the writing side of things, and then physical uh, side as well uh, through dance, choreography, moving my body, things of that nature. So we all have different gifts and we all are designed in different ways. But when we open up pathways and opportunities for allowing our imagination to take root, um, you never know where it's going to take you. So I had created the assessment and I also created lesson plans for both um, algebra, trigonometry, and geometry. So three different curriculums and then health and fitness. So four different curriculums all in one school year without um, really a whole lot of planning time available. I think I had one hour or a 50-minute planning time each day. But I didn't care about how much time I had during the workday because I was doing what I went to school for. I was grateful to be there. So I showed up at the school at 5 a.m. every day, and I told them I was going to stay till 5 p.m. because these students needed help. And I knew that I wasn't 100% confident <laughs> in my teaching abilities with the mathematics. So I didn't want to add stress to the kids that were already stressed out about their teacher um, potentially dying. So um, it was one of the best years I've ever had as a professional, uh, but it was also one of the most challenging years as well because that was the same year. Um, I started there, I want to say it was 
around my dad's birthday, around in the beginning of March. I remember it was a snowy day the first day I showed up, and it was actually a two-hour delay, but I was there at five. Uh, um, yeah, I think it was around the beginning of March, and then I finished out till June, so it was only a few months, but I was able to create four different curriculums in four months for middle school level with no budget because it was a challenge for me and I wanted to do it with excellence. Um, unfortunately, there was a really scary thing that happened that same year, and I think that's a part of my journey. I was supposed to be there for a reason because of my life purpose now, but I didn't know it back then, and it was really scary. So if you're listening and you've got little kids um, listening to this, maybe you're in Drive Time University in your car or whatnot, um, you might want to pause this episode and listen to it first, review it first as a parent, and then decide later if you want to share it with them. But one of the high school students that um, was in the building next door, we shared the gym with the high school and the middle school because it was such a small community. Um, they actually committed suicide, and it completely riveted the town. Like They were so distressed because they had a youth partnership with the high school for all their athletics, and he was a Letterman um, athlete. And he had his middle school athletes that he worked with. And I don't know the full story. He might have had a bad breakup. I'm not exactly sure. Um, but that was something that I didn't prepare for. You can't really prepare for that. I was 23 years old. And I'm having to be a counselor for my students that we're struggling with understanding and processing what just happened in our neighborhood, in our little town of Rainier, Washington. But one great thing about human beings is how resilient we are. And when you band together as family, as friends, as community members, that's what's the most protective thing in regards to your mental health and well-being. I remember a lot of the middle school girls wanted to invite me to their events and things and whatnot. And one of them, I want to say her name was Desiree. Her, and her mom and I clicked really well, and she was fundraising for a mission trip that she was doing. So she was doing car washes and all kinds of things after school towards the end, like towards the summer. And so even though it was 45 minutes each way for me to drive, <laughs> I, I wanted to, to help her get on that mission trip because I had been on one the year prior or two years prior, I think two years prior to that, and how positive it had impacted me that I still remember it today. If you build it, they will come. If you go to your job with excellence and give all that you have to give. Do the best that you can every time. People will step up and support you. Your students will want to be connected to you. Your parents that you work with, if you work in schools, will want to help you too. Um, I had, uh, during the year I had just gotten married to my first husband, uh, I had substituted in the Tacoma Public Schools because we had moved to a new area and I was coaching uh, middle school track in Clover Park School District and I had done such a great job 
um, doing above and beyond with my athletes and my uh, teacher that was there that um, I would go in the locker room and help get the girls to speed up get changed and stuff and I would chat with the teacher the PE teacher that her office was in the locker room Siri she's one of my dear friends and CrossFit coach and we've coached each other she's been a guest on the podcast and she used to own her own uh, CrossFit gym with a few other members and she's since sold her portion and and does her one-on-one coaching and whatnot Uh, she saw that I was going above and beyond with her athletes that were like her children outside of her family. She wanted to make sure that the girls were taken care of, and it was their first year ever having a cross-country team. Now, I had never coached or even participated in cross-country, but through my healing journey after being raped from a boyfriend in college that had lost half his platoon overseas, I got into running as part of my healing, mode of healing, because the therapist at school told me that I would be kicked out of the university if I shared the actual thoughts that were in my mind because I was experiencing PTSD. Um, So I chose to focus on running as my healing, and my first race that I ever completed ever as a human being was a half marathon, 13.1 miles. Now, I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that I didn't want to do a 5K. I didn't want to do a 10K. And when you're doing cross country in the middle schools, it's 3.1 miles because they train you for the high school level, competitive level, and it's in the woods and whatnot. So even though I had never coached before, the principal said, oh, you are, you're a runner, you ran, you've already ran a few half marathons and 10Ks and 5Ks and all that. We want someone that's going to create a positive experience for our athletes. So I showed up on the first day to practice, and I also told them I was a little nervous that I didn't, I didn't want the girls to have a bad experience because I was, I was lacking confidence because I had never done it before. So they paired me up with one of the teachers that is a veteran. And I'm so grateful because he already knew the students. Um, and so we worked together and it was really fun. Uh, the student athletes at the Clover Park Middle School, they showed up. There was just, I think... One that showed up the first day, then maybe two, and they started telling their friends about it because it was fun, right? Word spreads when you create something that is a fun experience. So if you're thinking you want to do coaching and you've never done it before, um, make sure that there's a reason for them to tell their friends about it. That's free advertising for you to grow your teams. Um, But what we needed, where we were at, I was a low-income school district. Not all of them were low-income, but a lot of They they rate it based on uh, the free and reduced lunch. And what I was seeing, now I didn't ask them, hey, are you on free and reduced lunch, right? Because that's none of my business. What I was seeing was flip-flops or little dress shoes. And they're middle schoolers, right? So they might not have the memory bank to remember to put it in their bag, right? So they might have been able to afford... Um, some of them though I asked them like hey um, do you have running shoes at home they're like no this is all I have I'm like oh okay Um, to be a part of this team it's going to be really effective 
for your speed and also safety factors so you don't um, injure yourself because flip-flops are not safe to run in. If you're in an emergency situation and you need to run away from a bad guy, that's one thing. But if we're doing training every day for an hour or two hour practices, uh, we want to make sure that your your feet, your ankles, your back, like everything is going to be um, healthy for you. And uh, I came to the realization that a few of them, I remember one of them said, we don't have the money. My, my, um, my dad is um, overseas right now. And there was another one that was single mom. And so I was like, man, they need help. I can help them out. So I had been buying running shoes from a local running store, uh, because I, I don't buy them often, but when I do, I choose the local stores because they will donate. If they have any returns, they'll donate the shoes to someone in need that can't afford the shoes. Uh, and I thought that that was really noble because I want more people to be able to run if they if they desire to. So I reached out to the local running store in Olympia, Washington, and I told them the situation. I said it's the first year these middle schoolers have ever um, start. We just started the cross country team, and we want to make sure it's a positive experience for them because I knew that mastery experiences your first time being associated with something new, whether it's a sport, whether it's you know, music, whatever it is, a new skill, a new something. Uh, that's, you have like three seconds to make a decision if it was a good experience or not. And then you might not ever do that thing again. So I wanted to make sure that if they, if they liked running or if they weren't sure if they liked it, that I did my part in providing an excellent situation for them. Uh, but I didn't have the money myself, right? Because I was a substitute teacher and I was looking for work, but um, I was making a little bit of money, but I didn't have money for, I think we, by the time it continued to grow and to our peak, I think we had nine girls on the team, maybe eight. And I just wanted to make sure that they each got one so nobody felt like they were embarrassed that they got a new pair. Well, why did she get a new pair? And I didn't get a pair. So everybody across the board had to get a pair of shoes so that we weren't embarrassing any families that were low income. And we also were not treating them unequally. So that day was such a fun day. I brought the shoes to the school. I asked the principal, can you have all the girls meet at the office? And I told him what was going on. He was so grateful that I did that because I did that out of work hours. I went above and beyond and drove to Olympia, which was not close by. It was probably a couple hours round trip. I coordinated and emailed and called the running sh store. So they were on board with it. They found, um, they had to get all of the right shoes sizing. So they probably didn't have return shoes. These were probably 100% brand new shoes, but they loved what I was doing and they wanted to create a positive experience for middle school girls that had never had a cross country um, athletic team before. And I bet you some of them are listening to this episode right now from around the world. And I bet you some of them are still running today. And they'll have their own stories. They'll have their own races and their own brand building experiences and whatever career paths they have uh, because their teacher and I are still connected. And I imagine they'll reach back out to her 
And even if they don't, that's okay. I wasn't expecting anything in return. I just wanted to create and build something that would be positive because I care about putting excellence into all things that I choose to allocate my time in. And you can do that too. There's nothing that I am doing that you aren't able to also do. Now, granted, you might not have as much time available if you have, you know, eight kids in the house. But if you do have eight kids in the house or a large family setting, you can step up as a leader and start allocating and delegating responsibilities so that you are not expected to do all things and be all things for your children and for your husband or wife or partner. I'm feeling really... Feeling really led to share with you a little bit more. So I hope that uh, I hope that, that you're learning some things. I hope that I'm adding value to you today with this this show. A little bit more of if you build it, they will come. I had a beautiful conversation with my uncle during this time. I was struggling. This was a few years before coaching that that girls team. I had just graduated. I had just finished um, teaching for a little bit for the Rainier School District and I got hired on in Bethel School District part-time uh, 0.6 FTE which was three days a week because that was all the budget they had in 2009 for health and fitness. I taught at two and a half days at one school and half a day they added later on in the year um, to a school way far away. Um, word started spreading around the district that if you did not have five years teaching experience, if you had 4.99 years experience or less, you would be laid off. They were laying off, um, they called it riffing, R-I-F, reduction in force. Now I had heard about it before I got the letter because as a school district, we had a uh, grant for all the health and fitness teachers. So part of the grant allowed for us to have substitutes cover for, I wanna say it was monthly meetings and we would meet together to collaborate as health and fitness teachers. And um, they did have some curriculum that was a part of the grant uh, it wasn't required that we did it, but we were required to do certain data testing, um, BMI testing, baseline fitness, things like that on, on a website and upload it, um, I think just twice a year. Now, during that time where the stress level is high because our economy is tight everywhere, imagine where you were at in 2009 and 2010. Think about what you were doing in that time frame. Was the job, if you had a job, if you were in your career already, was it going well? If you were in college during that time, was that a hard time? Uh, were you still in high school or middle school? But you remember conversations that your parents were stressed about? Maybe you had just retired from the military and you were looking for a job, but no one was hiring. That was a tough time. That was a tough time all 
over the world, and especially in the U.S. I know because when I had a conversation uh, in 2020, uh, when I was off the grid, I was in safe housing. I had a conversation with one of my angels in the middle of the night because I couldn't sleep, and they wanted me to call in. So I called in, and she and I chatted for, I think, four hours. And she remembered how challenging that time of year was. And I had built rapport over the phone, and I started counseling my counselor. She was supposed to be the one helping me. But I had found through just having an authentic, uh, radically transparent conversation with her that she had, during the pandemic, had to shift her uh, job and moved to the night shift and she couldn't find a babysitter. So she was stressed with just having to do it all and then having to pay a babysitter and she's not making more money so she's still having to work. And I was like, well, maybe we can find you a sitter, maybe somebody at your church or something. So she and I were like problem solving in that moment because I had remembered and I had talked about, I don't know where you were at in 2009, 2008, you know. And a part of building things so that people will come, a part of the important foundation is to have a knowledge base on history because history often repeats itself if we do not set standards and raise our standards. And we got some chickens and turkeys up north. <laughs> I love walking, I'm doing a sidetrack a little bit. I love walking in the mornings. Uh, sometimes I prefer to be alone and just think thoughts. But on the weekends, I love to get in nature and see other human beings in nature because I find that people in the woods, if you're hiking, if you're willing to get out there, everybody's in a good mood. And I've met a lot of friends just through doing what it is that I love to do. Um, I encourage you to get out and exercise or get out and move your body if you've been cooped up indoors for too long. Um, if you're in a new area, I know I've met some people that have just moved to the area that I live in. If you're new to the area, like there are free meetup groups. There are some charged meetup groups. Um, or you could just, you know, go on to your search map and type in parks nearby or trails nearby. There's, um, there's some cool apps, if you're into all that, that can map out all of the elevation and the level of challenge that it is. If you've got, uh, if you're in a wheelchair or if you're a person with a mo mobile disability, um, you might want to look at those things to make sure that it's safe for you, that it's paved for you. Um, but then again, I have some friends that are wheelchair bound and they've got the off-road <laughs> wheels so they don't let nothing stop them from getting out in nature so you do you but i do encourage you if you have not been moving for a minute to get out and move if you build it they will come going back to the story of chatting with my uncle so after teaching and getting the stress of 
not getting the letter yet, but knowing that the letter was coming and I was going to get laid off at some point, I was talking with my mom about it because at this point, I had already been so stressed about my student debt that she said, well, your uncle had schools pay for his schooling, so I bet he would be a great person to talk to about it. Do you want his number? And I'm like, yeah. So I called him on my lunch break, and I remember exactly where I was sitting in the closet in the gym because that was my office. And he and I had probably the most impactful conversation that I've ever had, and I wish that I would have talked to him more growing up, but I can't change the past, so I'm grateful for him stepping up in the moment that I needed help. And I explained to him the situation. He asked me some key questions. He says, here's what you need. You've got a teaching degree. You have value, Aaron. You are valuable with your bachelor's degree in certified teaching. You can teach at the university through a graduate teaching assistantship. What you need to do is decide how far you are willing to move away from home and only apply to schools that offer a graduate teaching assistantship. Because he knew, I had said, I don't have a lot of money to apply for graduate schools, but there are no jobs right now, and I know I'm going to be laid off. So he said, only apply to, to universities that, are, uh, that you're willing to you know, do the commute to or move to that are willing to pay you your value. They should be paying your tuition and they should also be giving you a monthly stipend if you are willing to teach classes in exchange for studying and um, kind of like adding, you know, balancing your, you're a teacher of the college students, but you're also a student of the graduate courses. So um, I was like, I don't even know if I could do that, but I am willing to give it a shot. If you build it, they will come. I applied to three schools. I was trying to decide what I really wanted to do. I wanted to do music, but no schools would allow me to get a master's degree in music without a bachelor's degree in music. They deferred me to my undergraduate and said, you need to, you need to connect with them and find out the requirements. But my undergraduate university said, you need to get a bachelor's degree in music before you can get your master's degree in music or a certification. You're not gonna pass a test without all of the courses, right? Because they had a reason to tell me that because they wanted my money. They wanted the tuition money instead of giving me the authentic how to add value to help me get to where I wanted to be. Unfortunately, they were struggling financially because the economy affected every single person every single business and people were getting tight with their money so I decided that I was not going to get a music degree a master's in music because they had stopped me from doing it I applied to Oregon State University for uh, their program in exercise and sports psychology because I had enjoyed my undergraduate class so much so from Dr. Hacker who I've spoken about on a previous episode um, she, I had two classes with her, just two, but her standards of excellence were so high and she made, I love to be challenged cognitively. She made me really work for, I think I got a B in her class 
and I never got a B in any class, but most people failed her class. <laughs> uh, well, I don't say most people, uh, a lot of people did. You had, you had to work your tail off to pass her class. So to get a B for me, I was like, all right, we'll take it. Um, and I still remember her information that she shared, and that was back in like 2005. And um, I applied to that school. I applied to, I think, Evergreen State College in Olympia. I know it's Evergreen something. And their middle school mathematics teaching program. Um, and then I applied to another school. I can't remember where, but it was like a nutrition, master's in nutrition. And that school did not accept me. Evergreen did um, to be a middle school teacher. I was looking at getting, they had a loan um, payoff plan if you worked in a low income school district teaching middle school mathematics for a certain number of years. Um, then they would give you, I think, 17500 off of your student loans. So I was like, well, at this point, even though I don't want to teach middle school math, I've already done it my first year, so I know that I could do it again. And so I applied and I got admitted into their program and I was about to enroll in classes. And then I saw that they had um, the requirement the first, I think they had a semester, and they might have had a quarter system, that doesn't matter, but it, I was required to take statistics, graduate level statistics. And I was like, I've never even taken undergraduate level statistics. How am I gonna do that? I'm not gonna do it. So I decided to go to Oregon State University and study under my advisor, uh, Dr. Vicki Ebick from Australia. And I'm so glad that I made that decision because I was so serious in all of my studies and all of the hard work I've done since I was nine years old. She was an outlier. She actually made me, yes, I still worked hard, but she asked me a key question when I was deciding if I wanted to do a thesis or a project for my master's, I am a creative person. And when she said, well, you get to create something if you want. If you're creative, you might think about a project that you would enjoy spending a year on that could help benefit the research in the exercise psychology realm. And I was like, ooh, something fun. She's like, yeah, what would you enjoy spending a year on? And I said, something with music. She's like, okay, <laughs> well, this isn't a music degree, so how can you tie in movement? And I said, well, what if I added dance? Her eyes lit up, she smiled, she said, could you create some choreography and some music? And tell me more, we need to narrow down your narrow down your focus so you need to pick a population that you want to focus on. And I was like, okay. Well, that um, January of my first year in graduate school, I was running and training for a marathon, right? Because if you do a half marathon, then you want to go to the next level. And I was running one day, and it was the coldest day on record. It was like 17 degrees, and I ran for an hour in it because I had trained up to that point, but it was a little bit colder. I never quite warmed up that day and it was really tight in my chest pretty much all day and I was diagnosed with asthma. So I told her about it. I said I have recently diagnosed with asthma. Um, could I do the, uh, could I pick my population based on asthma because it'll help me learn more about my new condition and um, it would be something fun for me to create songs and dances on. She said well I, I like that you have that. The process here you need to pick 
uh, a board of, I think it was a board of directors or something, I forget the terminology, but essentially it's five different professors that are in different departments to uh, give me unbiased opinions on my project and make sure that what I said I was going to do, I do. And if I make modifications and improvements based on the feedback from the participants and my own reflections, then I present a post-presentation, but I had to get permission first to do it. So she said, write up your paper, and I want to say it was like a 30-page paper, and all the different parts that are required in it, and it was challenging, but I was designed to build things out of nothing, and I was designed musically inclined, and I had learned the skill of curriculum development and creating things. So I was developing the first ever cross-curricular therapy program, honestly. I didn't know it at the time, but looking back, uh, that that's exactly what I was doing, was creating a musical for kids that are outliers in the gym, that are outliers in the class. They might have asthma, but they're a little bit heavier weight to teach their friends compassion, understanding, and empathy so that they don't get made fun of for being um, an individual with asthma. And I also wanted to empower children that might be diagnosed with it that they don't have to just go sit on the side, sit on the stairs. Because as a teacher, that's what I saw in a lot of schools when I was substitute teaching in my um, colleagues' classes because they knew I I was teaching my second year. I was still teaching my classes, but then I also started substitute teaching on Thursdays and Fridays in Washington State because I needed, we needed more income as a family. And I was seeing when I would substitute teach in some of my co-health and fitness teacher classes in the elementaries, the kids were just sitting on the stairs. They were like, oh, I have asthma. I'm tired today. Sometimes if kids are allowed to do things and make excuses... Um, and no one teaches them that it's okay, we can modify so you can still move, but we have to find ways to get you to move that makes you feel good. Might be a little bit uncomfortable at first, but I promise you it's going to make you feel better. And through the research that year, when I was learning about my new diagnosis, I learned that you can actually decrease the severity of your asthma attacks as well as the frequency, the number of asthma attacks. And most people don't know that. You can reduce it, uh, the frequency, and how bad each attack is by having a regular exercise routine, um, specifically from cardiovascular exercise, but you have to have a proper warm-up, which is 10 to 15 minutes not five. Most school systems provide 30 to maybe 50 minutes of fitness for their students. So if you are a teacher in the school system, you might have to advocate for more time for your kids to move more or provide them an opportunity to walk, jog, or run because there are those kids, and you're probably thinking this right now if you've got some little ones at home, they don't understand how to jog or how to go slow because they have so much energy inside that they want to just run as fast as they can and then they get tired and then they fall over, right? Or then they want to sit in your lap at home, right? 
um, that is normal and that's something that we have to teach kids is how to pace. That is taught in the school systems. With children with asthma, though, if they're having a day where if it's exercise-induced or even if it's uh, stress-related, there are like 12 different triggers a person can have. It's not just exercise-induced or as um, allergic. There are many different triggers that people have. Um, teaching them to strengthen their mindset to calm them down. If they are, if their trigger is stress-related, um, encouraging them and adapting some form of meditation in the classroom or um, teaching it and encouraging it from parents and whatnot, that is something that can help reduce the severity of their symptoms. In addition to cardiovascular exercise that has a proper warm-up that they're comfortable with, progressively increasing the speed, progressively increasing the intensity for 10 to 15 minutes before getting to the main portion of the exercise time. So I wanted to create songs and dances that taught about it and improved in the awareness of it. And I learned so much about it. I was having so much fun, although it was extremely challenging to balance all of life responsibilities. But as Alfred Bandura talks about, and he's a famous psychologist in uh, research, um, he talked often about the aspects of, it's not so much that you are good at something or you're not good at something. It's like, how can you really give yourself some credit by taking a 10,000 foot view perspective of what is all, what are all the circumstances going on and how well did you do despite maybe being a stepmom, despite maybe having to travel to and from a couple of states like I did every week, despite only having 1,025 a month to live off of. And you had my second year had to pay some building fees because I decided not to take any loans out the second year, I took a loan out my first year in graduate school to buy a, a laptop. Um, and because I chose to not take loans out, then I was required to pay up front $1,300 unexpectedly when I only made 1025 each month. So I had to create different ways to bring in more money on an extremely limited budget. And thank goodness the creator of the universe protected me on the road every single week. All of the staff members in my department thought I was loony <laughs> driving to and from uh, across state lines every week. But what I did it for love. I did it for my family. I knew that my partner at the time, uh, I knew that he needed help because he had changed his parenting plan. And I stepped up as a motherly figure that I didn't know that I had. If you build it, they will come. If you put excellence into all things people will show up they will step up or they will step out of your life the following year after graduate school I had been offered a teaching job guaranteed to come back to and then they laid me off and then they offered me back the job two days before the school year started at a at a demoted FTE level because they said that that was all the budget had allowed 
because the economy was still terrible in 2012 in the fall. So I, at this point, was getting irritated because I did my part. I stepped up my game and got a master's degree, but the school district still had the power over my money, which I thought was not fair. So when they reached out to me asking if I wanted this job, I, we had changed our address at this point. So I lived an hour and a half each direction away from the school district, give or take. Some of the schools were further out than others. I asked specifically to the HR department and actually spoke with a woman that used to be uh, one of my childhood. She wasn't a pastor, but she was like a youth elementary. She and her husband did some of our Sunday school classes. Now, this was the same woman that my mother had told me had cheated her out of money, but she didn't want to cause a fuss in the district. And when I had gotten my verbal offer over the phone, they had not presented me a written contract for four months. I kept asking about it, and they actually put a backdated contract in my box, which is illegal to backdate something. Um, I grabbed it, I called my union representative, and I said, uh, I have some huge concerns because my FTE that I was guaranteed over the phone is less than what I see on this contract. And they took four months to get this to me, but the date on here shows the beginning of the school year. Um, I have some huge issues with that. Not because I'm money-driven, because uh, I believe in integrity. And if I ask you questions specifically about my money, specifically about my pay, and tell you, well, I'm not sure if I can accept this position or not because I need to decide if I can afford to drive to your school district. And you connect me to your billing department who gives me the runaround and tells me that I need accurate information from you. No one stood up and took responsibility. So they ended up giving me two separate contracts. I was at an alternative high school with no budget, created my own curriculum there, and at an elementary school, a new school that I had never worked at with a new principal that had come up from California. She had gotten sued in a school district previously, so she didn't have a lot of trust in humans. And created, unfortunately, she created a toxic work environment for me. At that point, um, when she came into my classroom, and embarrassed me, tried to embarrass me in front of my students by telling me that I would never teach gymnastics again when I had, a, there was a student that came in late and she didn't follow directions and hurt herself. Uh, she didn't hurt herself like go to the ER. She decided to do a handstand full out, just take, taking risks. And she didn't give proper space to other people around her and collided with somebody else when I said uh, I would like you to observe not do anything but that was her choice and unfortunately the principal instead of asking me what happened she came in accusatory in front of my students and completely de devalued me as a human being and if you are a leader whether you work in the school system whether you work in businesses wherever you work anywhere 
calling people out publicly is never a good move for you. It makes you look like, pardon my French, a complete asshole. And also everyone in the room will wonder what you're saying about them the next time. Um, Does it work? Sure. Anything can work, right? Abuse can work. But what are the long-term ramifications? So at that point, I had, I'm extremely organized. Um, I haven't always been, but after going through graduate school and uh, becoming a stepmother at that point, I stepped up my game because I wanted to have more time with my family. I uh, had received an email from her that she had CC'd my personal mentor that had known me since I was in high school because he was very connected to our music company group and she was completely disgusted and told a bunch of lies instead of coming to me directly because I believe she was scared she had gotten sued before and so she was trying to see YA now I emailed her back and I cc'd him and I had the whole year plan covered. She wanted to know my lesson plans two weeks in advance. So I said, here are all my lesson plans for the year. And I will need to borrow equipment from this person and this person. uh, But does this work for you? And she was embarrassed. I actually had a private meeting with him. He was trying to smooth things over because he could tell that I was pissed because my partner at the time, we hadn't gotten married yet at this point, but we had been cohabitating for a few years. Uh, He had talked with him and was like, she's pissed. She's probably going to (laughs) leave. So he came in to talk to me because I had taken a couple days off, called out to start looking for other jobs because, sorry, but know your value, know your worth. If someone's going to bully you, when you're new, they're going to continue bullying you unless you step up for yourself, stand up for yourself. So he came and talked to me and he was like, uh, she is so impressed with your response email. And I am proud of you for keeping yourself calm when she completely went uh, inappropriate on you. And I said, thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. He's like, so when are you coming back? I said, I don't think I'm going to come back. He's like, what? I said, yeah, uh, because the school district messed up on my contract, they took four months to get it right to me and then tried to change the date. And then she disrespected me. I never signed the contract so she can find another PE teacher to fill the spot Um, because I don't do disrespect. If someone's going to bully me and not communicate with me directly as a human being, Uh, She and I don't need to work together anymore. And I left. And I'm not ashamed of what I did. I am grateful that the creator helped me in that situation, opened up more doors. So I ended up uh, working in Olympia School District at another alternative high school. It was really neat. It was a Homeschool Connect program. I substitute taught to bring in more money and... I worked at the YMCA, and I also worked at a chiropractor's office, so I ended up adding four other part-time jobs. I still worked at the high school in that same district, and that was fine. 
Um, however, there were some people in, in the district office that got upset at how I handled things. They didn't like that um, I gave them no notice. I didn't like that they gave me no notice and also messed with my pay. So unfortunately, they found a way to try and create lies and deception uh, to get me fired. But they ended up, towards the end of the year, um, had to pay me for two weeks where I didn't have to work um, because they never did a proper investigation. There was a false um, accusation that had been done. I had posted about this already because um, my co-facilitator was stressing that she was going to get replaced from me. And I was like, I ain't after your job, girl. But she felt like that, so she turned me in for some false allegations, which it happens in life sometimes. I've heard other female leaders say that they've had similar things happen to them, and that was my story that year. If you build it, they will come. What I'm proud of is that same year, five part-time jobs, I ran the fastest half marathon I have ever ran in my life with my friends, Jason and Serge. They actually pointed it out to me because I don't really care about how fast I run. I do it for healing. I do it for mental health. I do it for enjoyment and the challenge. Um, but my friends have different reasons for for running. And um, they have, uh, Jason I know is extremely competitive. And he called me and was like, or texted me, whatever. He communicated with me. He's like, hey, you beat your fastest time by over 30 minutes. Because we had done the same race um, a couple years before. I think in 2010 or 2009 was the first time we did it together. And I was blown away. Because I had read a book and I had applied the principles. And I took action. And it was laser focused. So being busy for me, and that's the lesson for me, is like I can build it and people will come. And I also uh, do better with a certain level of stress that I have to be under. So this year, with the real entertainment therapy experience process, um, is this really incredible because um, I have gone through and my husband and I have gone through something together that um, we're still going through right now. There are some real evil dark people that are trying to keep us apart by spreading lies about him. He is my hero of 2020 that kept me alive and safe, protected um, off the grid. Nobody needs to know where he's at. And unfortunately, uh, people were trying to find his location for whatever reason. Um, just because there's some dark people in the world and they don't respect people's privacy, but it's okay. And um, so he and I are separate for a little bit and we'll be reunited when the time is right. So I'm gonna continue being laser focused on the purpose that the creator of the universe has put on my heart, which is this experience. And we did the first one in February. If you weren't a part of it, so sorry we missed you. This next one I'm really excited about. The goal and intention is to improve in the treatment of people and patients with depression, specifically for the most sensitive populations in the world, our veterans and our first responders. They're 10 times more likely to contemplate or complete the deed of suicide because of the high chronic stress that they are on, under on a regular basis. It's hard for them to separate what they see at work and unsee that and, st and not think about it. And they also don't have a whole lot of supportive services for mental health. Um, some states are better than others in the United States, but often if they speak up about it, they have to turn in their badge and gun, or they have to turn in their 
but then then take time off, sometimes paid, sometimes unpaid. So why would you admit that you are struggling with something that's gonna cause you to lose out on your paycheck? No one would. So the goal of this is for all of us, all inclusive, both Western medicine, Eastern medicine represented, um, businesses represented, families represented, that we all can improve in the treatment of people and patients with depression. It is the most expensive condition in the world. And it is the least financially supported in the workplace. Just because, I don't think because people don't want to, I think because it's such a sensitive topic that people are trying to figure out how to be inclusive, how to be kind while still, you know, focused on the bottom line, um, how to create healthy, positive cultures when maybe your office is having a lot of high turnover because the leadership is not where it should be at. Uh, maybe someone passed away that was running the company and now you're trying to figure out how to take it over because they unexpectedly passed. There are so many different factors with it. Um, depression and tough seasons can impact all of us. You might not be diagnosed, but I guarantee you, you know someone that is. My goal with this and our goal and intention is eventually to have this white papered, have it empirically based as an accredited alternative therapy for those that lean towards the entertainment space as their mode of healing. We desire and intend for it to become accredited through the Joint Commission and a part of that accreditation process, um, our uh, data is required, there are fees involved, and there are connections that I still um, am excited to be connected to. Um, I strongly encourage you, if you want to be a part of this, uh, we will be emailing out this invitation that's coming Tuesday morning, one time, because I'm working a full day job, and I'm grateful to work the full day job, but that was not a planned thing, uh, because my husband and I are separated right now because of the evil people that are trying to separate love and light and because of the person that decided to hit my vehicle when I was driving a Lyft customer um, and I'm no longer able to drive on the platform. So I was not planning to change career paths, but just like any resilient person does, you keep moving forward and you find ways to add value wherever you're at. So uh, we have, with the connections that I have and with the connections I added through my new day job, um, we have collectively approximately 225,000 people on the invitation list nationwide. Um, they also have a branch in Canada, but I'm not sure if they feel it's appropriate to invite them as well. Uh, we have only 85 seats available on Zoom at the at the program level that I pay for. So sponsors, if you're listening to this and you want to be a part of a history-making experience, step up and donate any amount you feel led. Uh, we're expecting at least $10,000 so that we can allow for 10,000 seats and also hire out. We need some technology support through Zoom uh, because I cannot do all, it all like I did last year. Um, I need specifically, we need someone to be able to admit people into the space, to the room on Zoom. If they have to leave because they can't hear the sound and pop back in. Um, so maybe a few people that do that. 
Uh, we also need help with the, uh, in regards to the slideshow for our keynote address opening and closing. We need someone that's good with slideshow things um, to do that. We also need help with, let's see, what else do we need help with? Um, if someone wants to MC and you've got a great voice and you consider yourself a part of the entertainment industry or you just, you desire to be, uh, would love for someone to MC and read everyone's bios uh, with good energy, good facial expression. You do have to be on camera. So if you are interested and willing, I would love to delegate that out. Um, it is this coming Thursday, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. approximately Eastern Standard Time. We might have some more need for help as well affording the RSVP invitations. Um, I have set it up and it is ready for you to receive uh, the information. I'm just waiting for our last final survey to be uh, tallied up to make sure that if anyone wants to be a part of this and help us, that you have a chance to vote on the LinkedIn survey. Um, this is the second time that we've ever launched this. So thank you so much for your patience because um, if you build it, they will come. I've never imagined that I would be building something like this, but when you lean into your gifts and you lean into what the creator of the universe has designed for you to do, growth is easy. People have sent people to me. Um, my doctor's office, my chiropractor's office, asked me for an invitation so they could send it to 650 hospitals nationwide. I didn't bring it up other than just, I'm working on a music EP for veterans. And he was intrigued because I didn't know he is an Air Force veteran. People continue to help and I'm so grateful for all of you guys. I'm also grateful for you that aren't able to participate but you'd like to but maybe your life is a little busy right now. We do have an event um, in December as well. The focus of August is community. The focus of December's is fitness because the three pillars of Move Happy are mindset, which was in February, community, which is next week, and fitness with a splash of music. And that is why it's a medical musical conference and also multifaceted. Eventually we want it to be a group therapy that could be facilitated in psychiatric hospitals, that could be facilitated in schools and adapted to age appropriate conversations for those that desire to entertain. Um, Pretty much you could probably translate it to multiple areas and who wouldn't want to be 
a part of something like this. I know that you're listening right now. I know there are so many of you that have kids that love to play the piano, that love to sing, that love to just be silly and tell you all about their day and practice their skits. Those are the kinds of kids we want to be a part of this along with their parents so that they can be inspired and hopeful. And if they are struggling with depression, they might not be diagnosed yet. Um, it might exhibit more closely to what anxiety looks like um, because they are very similar in the younger ages. But how cool would it be? What is the value to your family to be able to introduce them to a previous Super Bowl performer singing original music, inspiring them to create and build things themselves? I'm going to leave you with that. I hope to see you guys all next Thursday. Make sure you get your email to myself or Robbie O'Connor on LinkedIn or Facebook. Uh, you could shoot us a DM uh, by no later than midnight Monday, August 15th, 2022. If you're listening to this after the show, I apologize. We had a great time. Hope to see you in December. I love you guys. Don't forget to tell someone you love them today. We'll see you next week on Thursday, 9 a.m. Pacific.